All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 29 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, January 11th, already into 2017. I brought that up last time. Yet again, another failed intro where I tried to be smooth and it did not uh, happen. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing great, except for the frozen wasteland outside here in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, there's just snow everywhere. You can't see the streets. Uh, it's just all snow. Yeah, I saw that on your Facebook. That is nuts. I I don't know why I didn't think you guys didn't really get snow, but boy, was I wrong. Well, I, we haven't gotten snow this bad over here, at least for, since I've been here. So, I mean, I've, there's been snow, but not like this. What so. I want to know is, what, where's all that global warming we've been hearing about with all this snow? Supposed global warming. <laughs> global warming my ass. Freezing my ass <laughs> off out here. It's probably somebody from Oklahoma. Now, I lived in Oklahoma City, and this snow is, is a lot, but it's still not as bad as the snow that I dealt with in Oklahoma City. Yeah, you want to know. Because the snow and ice over there was so bad. There, I, and then there was this really strong wind. And I remember I was all bundled up every, and everything, and I went, was getting ready to walk to my bus stop. And the wind was so strong, and it was so slippery. I slipped and fell on my ass a couple times on the ice. But I got up. And then the wind was so strong, it blew me into a Walgreens uh, sign. It blew you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so it, it, it blew me into a Walgreens sign, which was really crazy. Like it was it just right off my feet, skidding and sliding into a sign. So, <laughs> Wow, that's very that's a very cartoony scenario that you paint there, Mike. Yeah, it was pretty cartoonish, you know. Even the slipping and sliding in the ice. Did you it could, do the whole? Yeah, yeah. You could have had cartoon sound effects to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was supposed to go to the post office today and chip out some stuff that I sold on a Facebook group, but no, because I don't have a car. And even if I did, it's just the post office might not even be open anyway. So, I don't even know if I got mail today. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm here in Jacksonville, obviously, Jacksonville, Florida. It is 9.13 at night right now, and according to my weather app, it is 59 degrees right now. So, I'm sitting pretty comfortable. Yep, pretty, pretty comfortable. How are I'm you? How are comfortable you? in my house though, because we have uh, heating, so it's not really. Yeah, but it's not the same though. You know, you you, no. you, it's, you, you really want the whole outside atmosphere to be a comfortable uh, climate too, which I am. How does that make you feel out there, everybody? How does that? I can't hear you. How does that make you feel? Oh, I feel the hatred. Even though I'm doing this before you're even listening to it, like this is already pre-recorded what you're listening to, uh, I, I do feel your retro, uh, he retroactive hatred coming towards me, or future hatred. That's fine. Like a cold front. But don't you guys worry. I suffer for, what, 10 months out of the year with extreme heat constantly, especially in the summer. Well, humidity, too, which is oh, yeah. just, yeah. Mm -hmm. which is even worse than dry heat. I, I, I dealt with that, too, in Oklahoma City. That was some of the worst heat I dealt with ever. 
And that's I was living in a shithole that didn't even have any AC. So that made things worse. But really, I, I, I was butt naked. I was in my birthday suit. Still hot. Still sweating. Still miserable. Now you've got that's how bad. Now you've got a bunch of our female listeners hot and sweating, talking about your uh, your nudity. Maybe even some of our male listeners, y'all. I don't know. Um. Well, this is starting off weird. Why do I always got to make everything weird? Is the question. Um. So we have a YouTube channel now that I I finally created. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it Mike's word that he was gonna get around to it, but it just wasn't really happening. So I said, fuck it. And I, uh, I made it, threw it together. Um, it is the most bare bones thing you will ever see in your life. If you go there now, there's two episodes uploaded, you know, back in the good old days, back when we were a little podcast called uncovering unsolved mysteries. Ooh, I better not say that too loud, (laughs) but I know some of you guys remember that. Um, we had... Uh, YouTube clips aplenty on Mike's channel, and they got a lot of hits, so obviously bringing back the YouTube thing was a good idea, but I honestly don't know if it's these are going to get as many hits because it's not associated with Unsolved Mysteries in any way, shape, or form, um, so I don't know if it's going to appear in the search results. I think if results. we have it in the tags, though, I think it'll show up in the search results. So Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, because- either either way, if you were one of those people who discovered the podcast on YouTube and then you know listened to it on SoundCloud and things like that, or you just like listening to listening to it on YouTube instead, you know definitely subscribe. Also, I am planning you know sometime down the road, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna end up taking the reins and trying to post all of the podcast episodes. It's just gonna take some time because it takes at least. 30 minutes or so to render and save each uh, podcast and it takes like an, an like 30 45 whatever minutes to upload each one so um so i'm gonna do that uh, in the upcoming you know weeks and days and then also i, I want to do some i think it, this would be a great channel to have some bonus content so if there's a segment that i saw uh, fairly recently or something or Josh saw and we just didn't really feel like oh it was really there's enough there to do it on the podcast and maybe you have like kind of a solo thing where we sit in front of the camera and talk about it um, I'm thinking about maybe doing sightings as a separate thing and kind of doing kind of an episode review kind of podcast kind of thing with sightings because there's like a bunch of episodes on YouTube right now so I think that would be a great way to do it is just to like just go through like episode one from season one or something and then go from there and something called sightings cast or, you know, just other stuff too like, uh, you know, DVD reviews of the some of the Unsolved Mysteries box sets. Uh, you might see Josh show off his, his treasure box set. Who knows? Well, see, that stuff. Um, I'm I'm going to do that stuff for the the Patreons first and. Then, exactly. then it might trickle down to the yeah. YouTube channel um, because the Patreons, you know, the people exactly. throwing in money are, are the 
priority number one when it comes to that yeah. extra stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it is definitely is something that we we it, it is going to be like a thing, you know, that's beyond just uh, our episode. So, yeah, if you want to subscribe to that, feel free. Uh, but right now, it's just uh, it's sad. It's a sad little seedling of a channel. But hey, at least it is a channel now instead of that's how a lot of channels start. Yeah, well, so. that's how my channel started on a YouTube page, and I I, I do want to thank the people who have actually gone out and subscribed to my personal YouTube channel. Uh, because uh, I have been noticing that, and that's just kick-ass, and it's awesome, and you guys are, like, digging my uh, solo content, and I'm sure Mike has noticed subscribers over on his channel. Yeah, I, I know there were subscribers who subscribed to my channel specifically because I was posting the podcast on there, and they knew nothing about the SoundCloud or anything like that. So I, I will probably do a vlog uh, pretty soon on my channel talking about You refuse the to call them vlogs, channel. Mike, don't you? You refuse to call a them vlog. Vlog, okay. <laughs> Vlogs, I think sounds better. I don't. I don't know about I think you. it sounds. I don't know. I think it sounds kind of awkward. Vlog. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like the '90s terminology for it. I'm recording a vlog <laughs> instead of vlog. You know, my name is. My name is. Uh, well, I mean, vlog. Come on, it, it's a V. There's a. There's a bar, and then there's log. If it was vlog, wouldn't it just be V L O G. Yeah, that's how they're all. That's how they're all typed out on on the intranets. I just don't understand why they can't get to the segments on the podcast. Why do they have to go on about hey, all this chit chat? We got people who like the chit chat, dude. So. You know, overwhelmingly, <laughs> people like the fucking chit chat. Okay, <laughs> let's just get that out of the way for the two bad reviews on iTunes that for some reason got under my skin. To I feel the need to keep bringing it up every episode. Uh, most people like the chit chat, or the people who found our Facebook page, by the way, uh, which is uh, Facebook.com/slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, so yeah, the uh, so so screw you guys who who say you don't like the chit chat because uh, you know who the thing? Why would we? Why would we just want to talk about the? You know, you guys have invested in our personalities at this point, not just the. Uh, you don't want to hear like a cold read of uh, the synopsis of a murder case. You want some pizzazz or something. Some uh, levity. Some levity. Something. I don't know. Um, so anyway, speaking of uh, cold, well, not really murder cases, but cold fraud cases. Oh, yeah. That, seg that segues into our first segment we're going to discuss today. This is one that I remember from my childhood. Um... For some reason, a lot of the fraud segments did stick into my mind as a kid. Um, I I remember this one as a kid just because, I don't know, like the fraud ones I just really liked. I, I just really liked, I don't know, I don't know why I like them so much. It's just so skeezy. And and actually, there's a story that I can link into this that I will link at some point. Because I got frauded out this week as well um, in a much, much less... Um, less dynamic way as these people did but frauded out nonetheless i just invented a new phrase frauded out um okay so this one is a log cabin fraud um by one mr wade mitchell steamboat springs colorado 200 miles north of denver it was here on six acres of land that earl and donna shop Plan to build their dream home <laughs> yeah their last name sounds like shop vac get get used yeah. to it that's what I. That's what I was thinking in the back of my head, and like shop vac. Yeah, just think, like, think of, just get it out of the way now. Think of a fucking vacuum. You know what? I'm calling them Don, Earl and Donna vacuum from here on out <laughs> for the rest of this segment. 
because uh, it sounds like he says Shotvax. I'm guessing it's some kind of Polish last name or something yeah. or, or Russian. I don't know. Um, so they plan on building their dream home out there in Steamboat, Colorado, a log cabin. But in 1991, the Shopvax hopes came crashing down by a sophisticated scammer named Mark Mitchell. In April of that year, Earl and Donna answered an innocent newspaper ad and talked to the owner, Mark Mitchell, on the phone. Quoting, um, I believe, uh, yes, quoting the husband here, Earl, seemed like a great opportunity for us because the company was growing, which is why we started going with this company instead of a more established company somewhere else. Okay, I guess. I don't. I don't get their decision. That logic there. makes sense. That doesn't make sense to me. That's some I mean, shit that you would find in like the hipstery part of my city, yeah. where like all the kids, ooh, you know, shop local support. Which I'm don't don't think I'm against. I mean, I'm not I'm not against like small no, business. I, yeah, I'm not against that either. But with something like this, where you're having such a huge investment, I would think it would make more sense to go with the already established business for the exact reason for the exact protections that you get that would have come in handy coming up down this story that that we will get to definitely coming down the road when it comes to what they're dealing with with mitchell that's why that's why you go to um when you go buy a car you go to a certain you if you're buying a used car a lot of times people will go to certified pre-owned dealerships yeah. because they get a warranty. You don't go to Craigslist. Yeah, I mean, you can, and it's not always... Um, or eBay. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a gamble. I mean, you can save money, but you can also get fucked over and you're left with uh, a lemon. And in with certified dealerships and all that, you get something called a warranty, which protects you from being fucked over. Um but these people didn't want to do that. Whatever, that's their prerogative. The plan was simple. The vacuums would invest $25,000 in the business, the small business that was starting up. And by vacuums, I mean the shop vacs. In return, Mitchell would give them a large discount on their home with their investment being returned with interest. So basically, yeah, so basically these people, the vacuums, give uh, this Mark Mitchell which was his alias at the time, uh, they give him $25 to invest in his business. I mean 25000 Oh, did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 25000 $25. So in return, they get a big discount on their log home, and they get the twenty-five k back with interest, and interest on $25,000 is no, it would not be chump change, especially for no. 1991, uh, where twenty five thousand dollars would be about what fifty thousand dollars now at least. Yeah, and they were also not the only ones who took a deal like this as well with Mitchell. No, there's a lot. So of there were other people as well who got scammed and got frauded out. Now, I don't understand. That's the moment right then and there where I would have really started to question things and would have been like, I don't like where this is going. Because pretty much what you're doing is just agreeing upon, okay, some kind of agreement between you and uh, Mitchell. And it's there's no really – there's no guarantee that you're going to see your money. There's no protections. There's no safeguards. There's no protections. There's no safeguards. You're just – it's basically like if you go in and have unprotected sex. Yeah, which I've done many times. God, why did I say that? No more Red Bull before the podcast for me. It's it's like a truth serum of some kind. Um 
It's the lasso of truth. I don't advocate that, folks. Um, we have a social responsibility now because we have more than 25 listeners, so uh, I have to advocate for safe sex. Um, so Mark Mitchell claimed that he had banks that he could get his financing through and they could be in their house before Christmas. In early May, Mitchell sent an architect and salesman to inspect the ShopVax property. Quote, they looked at different views of our property and kept using the word stunning. They could build us a stunning property. Almost like a presidential candidate who use, uses the words great. It's going to be a great, great wall. Great this, great that. Anyway, after the ShopVax attorney approved of the contract, so there was a contract, they had an attorney, looked at it, approved of it, Earl and Donna would turn over a $25,000 deposit to Mitchell's salesman, which happened. Then, according to the wife, she said, we had been saving money and living very frugally since we got married. So when we gave them this $25,000, that was our dream that we were basically handing over. Um, seemed like we had been waiting for such a long time and it was all coming true and we believed them. The log See, that's the thing. They really prey upon people like this. Yeah. They know how to manipulate them. They know how to give them what they want and they know that oh this is their dream and they know how to put on a show yeah it's a two it's a shame they didn't read the art of the deal before doing this oh and another political reference is thrown in um uh, so anyway the art of the deal <laughs> is, that it? is there really an 80s song about donald trump yes there, there there is there's a college humor uh short film called oh, the art of the wow, deal that sounds perfect and it has uh, Art of the Deal song by Kenny Loggins in it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> you need to post that on our uh, Facebook page after this. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the log yard at Mitchell's headquarters gave all appearances of legitimacy. The workers were processing hundreds of logs, and the shells of the log cabins were carefully preassembled. And then supposedly each shell was going to be taken apart and reassembled on the property of the respective owner on a concrete foundation. But after eight weeks, there was absolutely no progress on Earl and Donna's property. The critical job of measuring and pouring the foundation had yet to begin. Now, this is what confuses me. I mean, I know there's there are some elaborate frauds and scams out there. But to have a whole, like, lumber yard where you're building shells to log cabins that are legit, you know, that are not, yeah. you know, it's not like the, um, the, the, the one we covered in the very first episode we ever did. What was her name? The Dale. The Dale uh, by, um, oh, the, her name's escaping me. Jennifer something? Liz Carmichael. Liz Carmichael. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not like that where they go and they see the prototype for the car and it's just some thrown together joke with like two by fours for the frame and all that. This is like a legit log cab, like log cabins that are being done with a legit crew. It's not like a beautiful mind where they go and, and they, they just see all this stuff and it turns out to be a hallucination. This was really going on. You like that, hey. Mike? You like that movie reference I just dropped in there? Very rare for me. Yeah. And also, I actually haven't seen that. <gasps> Whoa. Well, I guess I gotta bust this out. It's been a while. Uh, a movie that I have seen that Mike hasn't. I never thought that would happen. You better go out and buy some lottery tickets, folks. This could be an omen. So, Earl and Donna made the drive out to Mark's headquarters to see what was going on for themselves. 
However, Mark was able to lay their fears to rest after showing them their log cabin, the shell of it and everything. Uh, quoting the wife again, Donna, she said, They had started our shell, and it seemed to have all the basic things that were in our plans, and Earl measured it, and we took pictures of ourselves inside it, and it just seemed real exciting. It seemed like it was really happening again, so we were back up. But weeks went... That's, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Like, it seems legit, but I think that's the whole point. It, yeah. He does have to invest in money to make these shells and things like this and to have a business like that. It's so elaborate, but though. Just to it's elaborate, but there are a lot of instances like that. There's different types of fraud. There's the fraud like the Dale. There's the fraud like the people who are embezzling money from their employers. And then there's the type of fraud like this where somebody creates what kind of lo what looks like from the naked eye – and to the people who are, you know, getting uh, services from this company, it looks like it's a legit company. In reality, it's just a front to take people's money. Yeah. So, more weeks went by without anything being done to the property. It took a siege of phone calls to get a work crew out to the property to actually do anything. Quoting Donna again, they sent an excavator up and we poured, poured in the foundation, or... Pounded in the nails, my bad. Pounded in the nails and measured nails. where the corners of the house were and stood in the spot where the living room was going to be and imagined our view. We started to think, well, it's not going to be done by Christmas, but it's at least going to be done by March. We still didn't think it really wasn't going to happen. Why? I mean, it, this is... But, you know, that's people in their dreams. You know, when people have this thing set in their mind about their dream home... It, they get kind of deluded sometimes and they're not really looking at what is really going on around them. They're in this fantasy world. They're, they're, they're in this kind of, oh, everything's going to work out fine type thing. But I don't know. Those are all signs to me that something is really wrong. Well, getting into the, uh, the, the housing market to fraud someone out is actually kind of smart on that fraudster's part because when it comes to building a house there are all kinds of hiccups down the down the line yeah. that can happen i mean that's to be expected so yeah but the way that okay it takes a siege of phone calls to get somebody to come out it, it the the delays keep happening so you have okay the house is supposed to be done by this time by christmas that Christmas arrives and it's not even close to being finished. Which happens. And Those, that, then, that, that happens. Yeah, it does happen. But I don't think it would take a siege of phone calls to get somebody to go out. Well, again, you know, maybe they were like, well, we went with a small, unknown, you know, business, so this is what yeah, we see, get. Yeah, see, that's another thing that these fraudsters would use is, oh, you know, and then the people who are, you know, taking their services would be like, and paying for their services would be like, well, they're a small company. Yeah. You know, they have a limited staff and uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's what ultimately dooms these people. Right. So on October 1st, the bitter reality finally hit Earl and Donna. They had applied for a construction loan and the loan had been denied. The problem, mm -hmm. as they went into the bank and talked with the bank manager, he said the problem was with the builder, not with them. They, the bank had learned that he had been taking money from people and not starting construction on the homes. Mark Mitchell wasn't even his real name. It was Wade Mitchell Parker. 
And at that point, Donna felt nauseous. She felt sick. She felt like they were going to lose all the money that they had given to Mark's quote-unquote Mark Mitchell. On October 5th, 1991, Earl and Donna once again drove to Colorado, um, the Colorado home thing, his business, with a man that they now knew as Mitchell Parker. Uh, he showed up two hours late. Uh, this guy was such a bullshit artist. Even in the reenactment, uh, the guy portraying yeah. him, uh, the, just just such a great, you know, like he shows up late in the segment and, um, you know, uh, Earl. He has, a, he has a reason for it. Er, like he yeah. Sh- yeah he shows up late and Earl just gives him the business in the segment you know he's like he's like I'm sorry I'm sorry folks I'm sorry and he's like dude he's like we've been well he didn't say dude <laughs> he's like he's like where have you been man we've been we've been waiting here for two hours he's like I know folks I know I know I I don't know what to tell you and he's like and what's the deal with the our home you haven't even done anything he's like listen we can we can get this all figured out if you got if you folks would just step inside my office and blah 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 and it's just like oh you motherfucker yeah they're extremely charismatic that's how they lure their prey in uh into their web of deceit so wade parker agreed to refund earl and donna's deposit but being short on cash, he was only able to give them a promissory note. Essentially, a $25,000 IOU. <laughs> According to Donna, we were trying to be nice, but I think we knew deep down that we were never going to see our money again. And the first phrase of that sentence is the problem with this entire scenario. We were trying to be nice. When it comes to business yep. deals and things such as this, especially with large sums of money, there is no room for being nice. It's it's business at this point. Money talks, bullshit walks. And these guy, this guy was producing nothing but bullshit and taking yeah. money. Well, I, I would say I don't think it doesn't pay to be ni- nice at all because sometimes in order to make a deal, you have to have some sort of niceness. Uh, in in the way that you're speaking to somebody, I'm not and trying nice to, to make you things and our podcast has done well. <laughs> no, I'm just I, I'm just I'm just saying like if you're trying to to create a relationship, if you're trying to create a, a working dynamic with the people who are building your house, it's probably a good idea to be somewhat nice. But at the same time, don't be too nice to the point where you don't go with an already established uh, home building business over some young fledgling business that's just starting up well i wouldn't even say that i would say unless you know them personally but even then that can be you can you can get misled there too i would say that if Okay, like they should have stopped being nice when they were in the office and he said, I don't have your money, but I can yeah, give you a promissory that's, note. That's what I'm talking At about. At that, that point, I would have barred the door and I would have I would have gotten psycho. I would have said, dude, give me I, my money or I'm calling. I, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't produce money. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I'm just imagining. I'm just imagining Josh being like, "Dude, <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass unless you give me the money." You don't give me my money, I'm gonna kick your ass, buddy. I'm gonna Ooh, kick. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna kick your ass Back from to a Slim Jim. Yeah. I'm gonna kick your ass from here to Tuscaloosa if you don't provide me that twenty-five thousand dollars <laughs> with interest and a mint on my pillow. Um. 
So within the month, Wade declared bankruptcy and disappeared. What a fucking surprise. They soon found that they were not the only ones taken in by the con man. In November of 91, the shopbacks joined more than 30 of Mitchell's victims. As a group, their total loss exceeded $1 million, which in 1991 would be about uh, $3 million nowadays. Um, I mean, 30. 30 people got balked. 30 people got screwed over. 30 people got tricked. And there were some of the people that were shown in in the segment that, you know, there's some really rich people that you're just like, what were you thinking? You should already know better. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, and she and Donna even says that. She goes, when we finally came to terms with the fact that we lost some money, we felt stupid, like we had done a stupid thing. Yeah. But when we found out a lot of big-time people lost money, too, we didn't feel so stupid. So, yeah, it was like you were saying, a lot of these, you know, bigwigs uh, kind of sunk money into this uh, organization as well. Uh, was Wade a bad? Was Wade Mitchell a bad businessman or a con artist? That was a question that was posed to. Uh, I think he's clearly a con artist. Yeah. I don't think he was a bad businessman. Well, one of the lawyers that was taking on the case posed that. Uh, he said a lot of people ask him that question, and then he says the fact that Parker fled and the money hasn't been found indicates that he was a con from the beginning. Yeah. Again, it's so elaborate. That's what gets he also me. has multiple aliases. Yeah, that's Ronald never, Anderson, Larry Wheeler. You know, if you have multiple aliases, then yeah, uh, you're a criminal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, because Mike is is known as if you've listened to this podcast before, he's known as Mike Mike, but he's also known as Dirk Diggler. Uh, so Mike <laughs> actually has an alias as well. And yes, he yeah, no. is in adult films. Um, don't try to look for him. You Almost. Got, it's a paid site. Um, you got to pay money to see it. Bookie um, nights. <laughs> um, so some of Parker's wealthier victims have been able to absorb the loss or write them off as business expenses. But for Earl and Donna shop back, the thought of owning a home has been taken away forever, but they did start a, start a successful vacuum company. No, I'm just joking, unfortunately. And apparently, though, in good news, uh, Parker was arrested. He was captured in May of 2011. He was arrested in Florida. Yep. Typical. And extradited to Colorado, where he is incarcerated and awaiting trial. But then he was released from prison last year, actually a couple years ago, in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they do give an update on the actual segment, and they said he avoided arrest for three years until a rebroadcast of the story in August of 94. Parker was arrested in Cobb County, Georgia, under two different aliases. But after Parker failed to show to his arraignment, he was on the run again. But then you give a, you just gave a, a more recent update where he was caught again, and he didn't even serve that much jail time. So moral of the story is, crime pays, apparently. Because that dude, that's... <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I guess. Uh, I think their funds are seized. I don't think they're able if they if they are convicted of fraud. I don't think they can have access to the funds that they stole from people. If I remember correctly. I think that um, unless he hides them somewhere in, in cash. I think that this guy Wade Mitchell. I think he in the courtroom, being a con man and an actor, he was able to do the same charade that Liz Michael was able to pull where mm-hmm. they 
legitimately believed in what they were doing and they just they try to portray themselves as like a bumbling business person when in all reality they're a scam artist but they still have to serve some jail time because they did some illegal shit but i think i don't know liz to me kind of it seems like more of a legitimate business person than this guy it's just she went way in over her head and then she liked the fame and she liked the money and didn't want to lose it. And then, see, there's a lot of things that, that happen like this. People get misguided, extremely misguided. They may have good intentions, but then they get misguided and then they become criminals. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he obviously scammed these people. Uh, I. I thought this guy would have been dead by now, but apparently he's still alive. Well, sadly, uh, Donna passed away of breast cancer in 2011. Damn it. So, I know there's a lot of these, sadly. Dude, how that... old is this show? <laughs> Remind me again how old this, this This segment aired on in the November 3rd, 1993 episode. Dude, you know what's crazy is, like, you think back to the 90s, and, and I guess it's because that, that was, like, my formative childhood years, but, like, I think back to the 90s, like, it was, like, 10 years ago. <laughs> like, I think back to the... I look at the 90s, like, oh, yeah, that wasn't... Oh, I was a child back then. That wasn't that long ago. But then at the same time, I I'm st- I remember that I'm getting old as fuck and that I've been on the earth for a while. And, like, uh, well, yeah, when I really start looking through the timeline, I'm like, well, yeah, that's true, because I did do the whole high school thing and college and... Then that happened, and it's like, yeah, yeah. that really kind of was like a long, long-ass time ago. I'm uh, the opposite. I, I totally, you know, when I think back, that's a long time ago. I don't really remember much from that time either, except for like a few bits and pieces. Because honestly, my time as a, and when I was a kid growing up really wasn't that great. So, um, but the, I don't want to really want to talk about that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and also I've talked about it before. But, yeah, uh, no, I mean, time does seem to go by, I don't kind of faster nowadays than it might have, or some, it depends on the day. Sometimes it goes by really quick, sometimes it goes by way too slow, and I'm just like, is this day ever going to end? I think, I think the more stuff you pack into your life as far as things that you're doing and you actually get done and you can accomplish and say, and, Right down on paper, I. I mean, it's hard to believe that I was in Clark College for three years. So I mean, it's one of those things that I'm like, wow, I was there that long. (laughs) But at the same time, when I'm when I'm done with it now, but I'm I honestly I kind of miss it now because I I didn't think I would because it gave me something that I had to do. I I mean, I'm trying to find a job and and, uh, hopefully I can find one, but my luck has been terrible for the past few years. So when I went to college, you know, community college, that gave me that was my job. And I don't really have that anymore. So now I'm trying to adjust and I'm kind of like, I wish I had that sort of thing that, you know, was absolutely had to do. Human beings are designed to do shit. We're not designed to just sit around. I mean, we we're designed to have purposes in life. So when you don't have that, yeah, it it is kind of depressing. Um See, uh, that's why I'm glad that even if I lost my, or if I some for some reason didn't work, or say I was retired, I'd have so much stuff for myself to do. There's so much stuff I'd want to do as far as like the mm-hmm. time I could spend 
with my YouTube channel and my music and playing all yeah. these games I've accumulated. Like I'd have shit that I could do even if I didn't have a job, but it is nice having a job and getting out of the fucking house every now and then. Yeah, because the job, yeah, I mean, that's one of the main things too. I want to be around people again and want to help people. It's just so frustrating because, you know, I've been in jobs where people who just are terrible at their job, but hey, they keep it because they know the manager and, you know, that's all that matters. Just so frustrating. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, but I just feel like the more stuff you pack into your life, the more it seems like your time was well spent. I think the more locked into a dead end job you get into, every day starts to seem exactly the same. And that's when 10 years goes by and you go, what the fuck have I done for the past 10 years? Well, that's kind of, (laughs) you know, it's I just haven't had a job in so long. It's just one of those things that's like, just give me something to do and I want to get paid so, What's weird about yeah. having a YouTube channel is it's almost like these little miniature home movies of yourself that are like yeah. somewhat produced. So you can, I can like go back a year and a half ago and see exactly what oh, I was some doing. Some of my old videos are just bad. Dude, I've seen some of your old videos. Quality. I saw one you did of, of Home Alone, and it was like like five years ago or something. Yeah. And, and yeah, you were I like, had to, I had to split them into parts. You know, yeah, because of the YouTube system at the time. Oh, yeah. And they didn't, they didn't allow videos longer than 15 minutes or something. And so, yeah. And you were so young. <laughs> and the lighting was so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lighting was terrible. But no, the, dude, the, no one really uh, knew about no one. No one was really producing high quality shows five years ago on YouTube. So it's not like anybody had the foresight to like be like, well, let me try to make an actual show. There was like two or three people that were actually like doing James that. Roll. Or, you know, a few people like that. Yeah, but even even Angry Video Game Nerds early videos were really rough looking. Um, yeah. They were still uh, a notch above, but that's just because he was a filmmaker. That's like what he yeah. already enjoyed doing before he even did YouTube. So it mm-hmm. was kind of like the perfect medium for him because he, he was like if they had some kind of a uh, YouTube of music where they just had music tracks and no video you know where anyone could submit it and you know it was mainly nobody's you know unlike spotify where it's like mainly signed artists i would Mm -hmm. i would do really great on something like that because i have been recording my own music for years now so i would have an an advantage over a lot of people i was the same thing with him i guess but anyway getting off topic that was uh the log cabin fraud with um Good old uh, Wade Mitchell there in the vacuum family. Um, so that was, I liked that one a lot. Uh, the segment was really entertaining. Hopefully when they bring back Unsolved Mysteries, that's one that you guys can check out. Um, moving on, we're going to Mike's pick, uh, which, wh- how did you pick this one? Was this a suggestion or did you just want to talk I, about I, I wanted to talk about this one because I think there's a lot of twists and turns and uh, different sort of takes in this one that I think are pretty interesting. It's also still technically an unsolved case, and I have some strong suspicions and feelings about what actually happened here. Um, And it's just one of those cases that it's just hard to believe. You're just like, what is going on here? And uh, this is, it almost seems like something out of a movie, really. Um, and that is the case of the disappearance of Charlotte Polis. Did a devoted mother of two simply abandon her family? I highly doubt it. Uh, Charlotte Polis, she went missing uh, in uh, March 12, 1994. 
she was about 5'7". She was 300 pounds. She's a big girl. She's a big girl. And uh, so pretty much what the main case, this case focuses on, it goes back and forth and stuff like that. It's Charlotte Polis is the wife of Paul Polis. And this guy... Oh my god. See, I wanted to talk about this case mainly for this guy. This motherfucker. This yeah, this son of a bitch. This bastard. Because he's he looks guilty as fuck. Very. I mean, he's defensive in the way his posture and his mannerisms are. He just there's just something looks way off about this guy. When he's and, when he's doing his interview, his voice is kind of shaky too. I noticed. Yeah, There's a little bit of shakiness in his voice. It's like, oh my god, come on, dude, just turn so, yourself in already. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Charlotte Polis, she vanished on March 12, nineteen ninety four, and her husband Paul immediately became a suspect. And if you've seen this segment, you can see why. He claims that the last time he saw her was when he told her that he was going out to run a few errands with the kids at approximately 11 a.m. And his wife was not feeling very well. She had an ear infection, apparently. And so he basically left her, you know, to get some rest. And then eventually he supposedly came back from his errands and then she was gone. Well, this claim is disputed by several people. Her mother, uh, Charlotte Polis's mom, she claims that she called the house several times when he, by his account, should have been home. An eyewitness also claims that she saw his car backed up towards the porch and that the trunk and doors were all open with the interior full of boxes and bags. She says there was no way that the kids would be able to fit in there. He said he returned home at 4 o'clock p.m. with no concern for Charlotte's safety. And at 7 o'clock p.m., he noticed she had left her purse and started calling around to see if she had gone out with anybody. And then when her family learned of her disappearance, they rushed over to the house. Her sister claims that she saw two sets of footprints that led to a shed and back around the house. And that when she asked him for the key to it, he got angry. Now, if this is true... I have no reason to believe that it isn't. That's pretty telling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, however, he says he has no memory of this and he would have given it to them. The house was cleaned spotless and there was a blood stain in the back of the car, but it was too small for positive identification. When he agreed to take a polygraph test, he sh did not show up and he disappeared. He resurfaced three months later with an explanation, citing that he was going through a lot of mental anguish and that he was in no shape for a polygraph. Despite the allegations, there's no evidence to provide that a crime has even been committed, and her disappearance remains unsolved. Yeah, the shed thing was because uh, on the segment, you know, they're interviewing him, and and because the sister was taught and these footprints were made in the snow by the way so i mean they were obvious fucking deep footprints you know it was no no confusion it said there. there was more than one two one set of them yeah so the sister was noticing that the doors to this shed weren't closed flush with the frame yeah, of the bulging. shed they were bulging open and there was a padlock on there and so she asked him hey you know where's the key to the shed i want to open it up and he's like the shed has nothing to do with my missing wife. You know, I'm not opening the shed. And he got all defensive, and it was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, 
when you are in this precarious situation and you are the husband or the wife, you are the, the spouse of the person who has disappeared, you don't really have the luxury to be defensive and standoffish with family members. It is your job to comfort and quell their fears and do whatever it takes to make them, you know, calm down and ease their worry. That's what an innocent person would do. What a guilty person would do is get really defensive, defensive. And, and, snap. and snap back and say, don't worry about the damn shed. She's not in there. Let's, you know, focus somewhere else, you know? So it's like, and yeah, and then all the other stuff he did with the, the whole, like, you know, scheduling to have a polygraph test taken, and then he doesn't take it. And he's like, oh, you know, I felt uncomfortable. It reminds me of that motherfucker moon, moon pie face Mike Morris <laughs> and how he was, you know, all like, I didn't feel that all the medications I was on, I didn't feel their polygraph was going to be able to compensate for all these medications I was taking at the time. And it's just like, dude, you are so full you of shit. Nailed that impression of that guy. That's it how, is so. It is so great. Yeah, that's, that's how he talked. That's how he sounded. It sounded like he had a bite of moon pie in his mouth that he hadn't yet <laughs> swallowed. Um, there was also a small blood stain found in his trunk, and nobody really thought to, you know, take a sample of it or test it later or try to match it with uh, Paul for some reason. I don't know why. Um. They had also apparently some of in the wife's family, they are totally they totally believe he's guilty. They also seem to think that the mother is also in on it, too. And that's one thing I don't agree with. I think that's a stretch. You know, uh, the Charlotte's mom is, is accusing that Paul's mother is involved and was trying to cover and, her, and her, his father was covering up for him and all of that. And I don't really see you. Get the uh, Paul's mother is interviewed and you can kind of see that, mm. you know, I'm just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know with the mom. I mean, there's a possibility, but at the same time, it could just be. Yeah, it was clean, spotless. But she came home and she. Hey, it's uh, spring cleaning. Did you already but mention it is, the fact that they cleaned a lot, and I just didn't catch that? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I did. Sorry, but it was a brief thing. It was clean, spotless by by the mother. But yeah, I could see why, because it'd be like the clean, spotless thing. But I don't know. To me, I think. Now that I know about the extra stuff that this motherfucker has gotten involved with, uh, because apparently Paul Polis, as uh, as er as soon as uh, 2014, he was arrested and charged with felony drug possession, uh, and this isn't the first time because uh, he was also sentenced to jail for 18 months after testing positive for cocaine and failing to report to his probation officer. Uh, in 2005, he was placed on probation for carrying a concealed weapon. And this most recent arrest was for, you know, felony drug possession, and he was pulled over for an expired license plate tag and was found in possession of suspected crack cocaine. Now, Paul Polis also married another woman after his wife disappeared, who was sentenced to... Uh, multiple years in jail for fraud. Uh, apparently she had defrauded people of, I think it was like 1.6 million or some like crazy amount of money. Jeez. So, uh, yeah. So he, this guy seems like he's not, 
for it, it, to me, it thinks I, I think he might have been dealing drugs at the time, and maybe his wife saw it, and he did not want the party to end or the money to stop rolling in, and he decided to silence her, and he did that with the help of some of his drug dealer pals, so to speak. Uh, because it, it it's, it's highly unlikely that he was able to lift her up himself, all 300 pounds of her, if you look at the guy, and put her in the back of the trunk or in the shed himself. And it seems like there's two sets of footprints in the snow, so, yeah. There's a bunch of possibilities, but none of them are pointing to his innocence, pretty much, put it that way. No. And the impression I got from all. the impression I got from his mom in the interview was I'll do anything for my baby to yeah. you know Yeah, there form. was a little bit of that too, but I don't know. I, I looked on the the unsolved mystery sitcoms forums and they were kind of like you know, I know this woman, you know, type deal. I don't really think So I mean, there it, and also sometimes things are edited a certain way. I don't really want to accuse her and 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 you know the 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 father of anything yet um but there could be something there yeah. absolutely yeah but, um, this is, i totally believe this guy was guilty this is one of those cases no um this is one of those cases where they actually like interview the guy on the show and it sends a chill down your spine cuz you're you you kind of quickly come to the conclusion that Holy shit, I'm probably looking at the guy who killed this person. Because there's a few cases, one that we've yet to talk about called Backyard Bones on the Ultimate Collection with this guy called Mark Rizzo. And he, uh, even on the commentary on the Ultimate Collection, they go, yeah, they're like, we, we all got the creeps being around this guy because it, he... It's he, he. It seems so obvious that he did it. You know, he killed his wife. Monica. Yeah, is that is that is that the one that uh, the DP was talking about? Yeah, Kevin. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is another one of those cases where it's like they actually had the guilty party on there, and he had this weird, these weird, weird facial tics, like his eyebrows would raise up, and is very strange. Oh, he's yeah, he's, he was he was nervous, you know. He definitely did not strike me as an innocent person. And that's a dude, the whole time I was watching a segment, I was just shaking my head going like, dude, this guy right here, this guy is so, so guilty. And I mean, it could have been, it could have been one of those things to where like maybe he was doing something that the wife didn't like. And he knew that like if she divorced him, then she'd take the kids because I think they had like two kids together. Well, yeah, and also it could have been also money type thing. You know, sometimes people make they sell drugs on the side out of, out of the house, and the wife doesn't really know about it yet, and the husband gets some extra money and he kind of keeps it to himself. Why the hell was his trunk full of all that stuff? And these are all alleged things. We're just alleged. You know, this and his is car just full of all these you know boxes and things. Yeah, I don't. What was know. he doing with that? Like, what was he gonna? What was he gonna go have a garage sale? Was he going to the pawn shop? Like, what was up with that? And if they, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I tend to believe the people who saw him, you know, murmurs around in his car versus his story of, 
oh, I went in and took the kids on errands and took them to lunch. And that just sounds way too convenient made up and convenient. And at the same time, it just sounds like, it, you know, it, it's one of those storybook type things. It's like when the police say the story j was too, it was too rehearsed. It was too, it, it, or it was too good to be true. Yeah. So, yeah, this guy probably, uh, you know, we're alleging all this stuff. We're not accusing him of anything, but uh, we're speculating and all that. He's a drug. He's been a, he's been arrested for drug possession multiple times. He was married to somebody who defrauded people of thousands of dollars. I've just been I a mean, little burned by these people before, Mike. OK, so I'm just wanting to cover my ass here. <laughs> I've been burned by the Unsolved Mysteries team. Yeah, I know. And if I you know. don't believe it, go listening. Go listen to the rebranding of the show uh, segment that's before the first episode on this podcast, and you'll hear what I mean. God, yeah, that exactly. Ordeal. Yeah, that definitely was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say for sure with one hundred percent certainty that he's guilty, but I'm leaning towards he's guilty as fuck. Well, it was like the Michael Haim, the Bonnie Haim and Michael Haim case that we covered a few a few episodes ago. It was like for the longest time it was an unsolved murder, and then only in the past few years did it finally surface yeah. that you know Michael was in fact guilty of of murdering his wife, and it was just it was just the one of those puzzle pieces that the cops weren't able to put together until finally they found her skeletal remains under that concrete slab and yeah i think this is going to be probably a similar thing i mean i i just personally i just don't understand how you can take another person's life and like live your life scot free and not be haunted by that forever i mean me personally i can't even like kill an animal without feeling horrible about it so i mean let alone a human life um some people, I guess, just have that ability, man. I don't know. That's trippy. I, I would never want to know that feeling. Sociopaths. I mean, obviously, if you're in the military and it's an it's an enemy against the state and all that, that's well. Different. Even even with that, I mean, there are some people. There are a lot of people in the military who are great people, and and you know, they're they're not don't really have sociopathic tendencies. But there are some people in the military who actually are sociopaths, and. Some of them are high-ranking officials, and that's scary to me. It's they, they get up there because they don't really have a lot of compassion for a lot of human life. And they And they pretty much just, hey, it, it's it's all about the power for them. It's a power trip. You ordered the it's Code Red. Story. Admit it. You, uh, you ordered the Code Red. I want the truth. You can't handle can't the handle truth. handle the truth. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say about this particular case, except, um, it, it's because we talked about so, so many different murder cases. Like, I, like when we were talking about this, I'm like, did we talk about this already? And I'm like, I don't think we did. And, uh, I, I think we would have known if we did. <laughs> I would hope so. No, we haven't like, talked about this one oh, yet. They'd be like, oh, yeah, here's one we already talked about. Sorry. Well, you know, no. we have talked about a lot of murder cases, but our audience has a severe and real bloodlust, and they want to hear more. Um, so yeah. we have to feed them weekly. Exactly. But I wanted to talk about this one anyway because of just the whole sort of conflicting stories from, and the fact that this is one of the guiltiest-looking assholes who will ever see oh, be you interviewed. haven't seen the mark rizzo the segment show. yet then <laughs> oh i've seen i've seen that before too like uh -huh. he was really guilty too 
And uh, there's other ones, too, that like that one we talked about before that I need to find that segment. I forgot which season it was on. The one where the guy, the sheriff, was all like, I was looking for my kid in the woods. And then, oh, yeah. yeah. Did we cover that one or no? No, not yet. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we do need to cover it. Yeah, I forgot about that one, too. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, all right, so um, our last segment of the podcast. It's already an hour in. Can't believe it. I really shouldn't say that because after I edit it, I don't know what time marker we'll be at right now. <laughs> Thankfully, no editing so far, folks. Um, usually by now, I would have already done like 10 edits, and you guys don't even realize it. But uh, I curse Mike out at least two or three times. I have breakdowns, and I, you know, then we have to work through that, and all that's edited out. None of you, you guys. Most of it, he's got to. You know, take a piss break. Yeah, yeah. The, Honestly, drinking. Mike has brought up the idea of outtakes, you know, to release on the Patreon or whatever. I would love to do that, but unfortunately, with um, how I process these episodes and edit them and all, and the limited space on my computer, uh, I kind of have to delete everything after I'm done with it. So I have the finished podcast done, but as far as any like outtakes, I just don't have any, unfortunately. But I can give you a little demo of what they would be. All right, Mike, uh, let's stop right here. Uh, I got to go rock a piss. And then Mike laughs. And <laughs> then I come back whistling the Unsolved Mysteries theme, which is another thing I couldn't leave in the podcast because I'd get another season desist. Or they just straight up sue me this time. I don't know what they do. But uh, yeah, the outtakes are kind of, some of them were kind of funny. My dog usually barks. Uh, I yell at the dog. Um, don't feel bad for the dog, though, because this dog is an asshole. He does not like me. He has made that clear. He is bipolar. He's crazy. Like I'll, he'll he'll scream at me when I walk in, and he'll bark, and he'll <laughs> act like just ferocious. And then I'll go into my room, and like a crazy ex girlfriend, he'll start pawing at my door, <laughs> and I'll open it, and he'll just kind of dip his head in, like, "Hey, sorry about earlier when I barked at you. Can I come in?" And it's like, "What are you doing here? You're, you just got done like just." Barking your brains out at so anyway yeah those those are mostly outtakes it has so the to dog with. is an unsolved mystery uh, his brain no the mystery solved he's <laughs> fucked in the head I mean that's pretty much the solved mystery to that one yeah. um, he's a rescue dog uh, his name's yeah. Lenny um, he's got just these kind of name is that for a dog I don't know my parents love him he's like a son to them he he's, he's like Lenny the, yeah he's like the spoiled brat that uh they love you know and he loves them but he does not like me for whatever reason um ever since he was a puppy like the first time he vocalized was him growling at me I was rocking <laughs> he was sitting in a, a lazy boy and I start rocking the lazy boy back and forth singing the Elvis song I can't help falling in love with you and he goes Rrr. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, that's the first time he's ever made a noise. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like Elvis. Oh, no, he doesn't, he doesn't like me. Help falling in love. Yeah. With you. A sweet then, song. Rrr, yeah, a sweet song to sing to a dog, right? You know, you would think. But no. And his sister is just as bad. Apparently, my brother was listening to our podcast, driving over here to drop yeah. his, his sister off. She heard your voice. <laughs> she heard my voice, and she fear peed in his car upon hearing my voice. That is a true story. She won't even let me touch her. Like at least, oh, at least wow. Lenny, Lenny will at least let me touch him, but she won't let me touch I just, her. I just have a crazy cat uh, named Vegas, who's also fucked in the head, but not in that way. She's just weird, oh, weird cat. Weird. 
But she was a, re- a rescue cat, technically, so she's even weirder than some of the other cats. That I don't know I've what had. these animals are rescued from, but apparently they've been rescued from hell. This cat has some serious psychological issues, because this cat, uh, when my mom first got her, she was uh, so starving, she was eating the kitty litter. And what we have is like this corn sort of meal, whatever, kitty, li- kitty litter, so she was, she was eating that. She was eating her litter, so she was so hungry. She's very tiny. She's a tortoise shell, so she definitely has an attitude. She, I think she's grown to like me a little bit more than because I've been around long enough. But you know, she's still not the type of cat that will just stay. You know, but hey, just lay down. No, <laughs> nope. All right, so we got our uh, our last segment here. Steven Anderson. This is off um, season thirteen. High looking motherfucker. Oh my god. Um. This is like this guy looks like every every like old nightmarish neighbor you would not want to have. He does he looks like Mr. Anderson? And his last oh he is a, <laughs> I had a neighbor who's Mr. Anderson. I'll uh, tell you what I want my paper boy. I uh, don't want I don't want you I want my paper boy. Um, uh, them boys were whacking off in my trailer. I tell you what. Um. Anyway, best Hank Hill impression slash Mr. Anderson. Um, so this guy, this guy. Mr. Anderson. Rural Kentucky. It was a quiet Sunday evening in October. Bell County Sheriff's Department uh, Deputy Scott Elder was taking a break when a pickup truck with both taillights out sped by. Deputy Elder had no idea who was behind the wheel or that all hell was about to break loose. Badass Robert Stackline right there, by the way, how he, how he phrased it. Uh, according to uh, the deputy, when I came up behind him, he was driving fine. The only thing uh, I directed my attention to was the no tail lights. I caught up to him, camouflaged truck, and noticed a Kentucky militia written on the back. I had no idea what that was. I yeah, just, I, I didn't know what that was. I just never didn't heard know. of that before this uh, segment. That's when I made the traffic stop. By the way, this officer, he looks like a baby. Uh, he looks like he couldn't be older than, like, yeah. 23 years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's pretty young. He looked like a fucking baby. So, the fact that this guy had to go through what he went through is nuts. Um, so he pulls over the guy. The guy driving the Kentucky Militia truck seems nice. At first, the officer saw no reason for concern, but then everything changed. Uh, and in the scene, it was great. Uh, they always... I feel like that this show always picks the best psychopaths for this show. Like whenever yeah. they pick like crazy people, they always pick the best people. When whenever mm-hmm. they pick the other extras, it's always kind of suspect whether they're good or not. But the the psychos, oh, or like like the the drug dealing kids from the college in. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. In the segment about the guy who was supposedly killed with a baseball bat and phone books. Yeah, if you see him, huh, tell him we're looking for him. High five. <laughs> Kool-Aid guy should burst in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so the officer says at the end, you know, he's talking to the guy, tells him that, yeah, you know, stop because your taillights are out. And the guy's like, oh, thanks, officer. I'll get that taken care of, blah, blah, blah. And he says, OK, I do need to see your uh, driver's license to make sure it's valid. And then at that point, the driver flips a fucking switch and he goes, no, you don't need to see my driver's license. And the reason you don't need to see it is because I'm a member of the Kentucky State Militia. And the officer says at that point he starts getting very agitated and he started turning red and he started yelling. And it was at that point that the officer caught a glimpse of a pistol magazine through the window. 
And then they got into an exchange at that point, and he's like, sir, for my safety, I need you to step out of the vehicle. And this guy's like, you know, the officer's uh, telling him this, and the Kentucky militia guy is like, well, do you have any weapons in your vehicle, officer? Huh? Do you have weapons in your vehicle? Like, that's some kind of justification for, yeah. for his psycho, you know, like... Oh, just because, you know, just because I have weapons in my vehicle, that doesn't mean nothing because you got well, weapons in your vehicle. And it's like that's that's the typical sociopathic tendency. It's a typical person who's a sociopath or has psychopathic tendencies. Like they just they try to explain things and and they don't think they're crazy. They think you're crazy. Well, it's like, OK, dude, I know you think you're part of some kind of uh, of uh, vigilante group or whatever. But uh, generally, uh, police officers are kind of uh, elected officials or people who... And they have weapons because they have to protect themselves. We, we as a society... You. Yeah, we as a society have decided to give these people power to uh, enforce the laws. So it's okay that they have weapons in their vehicle. Um and they have certain procedures. That they have I mean, to- there's probably people who do make that argument. It was like, well, you know, p- cops they get to have weapons in their vehicles. Why can't I have a weapon in my? Ve- do you have it registered? If it's registered, I don't think it's really a problem. Uh, you know. Yeah, there's certain procedures you totally can, but we can't have everybody just riding around with guns on their dashboard. So yeah, there's certain procedures you or have to in follow. the back of their truck because that seems to happen a lot. You know, in, in the south. Driving around their pickup and they got the shotgun or whatever shotgun in the back. Shotgun rack for hunting. Hunting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or killing people that don't look like them. Anyway, um, so. Um, <laughs> or road rage. I still haven't found that segment. I, I remember seeing that segment on this show where there's like some road rage thing. I've, I've never forgotten it because it was so insane. I think I've and seen it. And it pulled over. And like this guy was on a freeway. This guy's pulls over and he just grabs a fucking shotgun and just unloads it on the poor people. But, you know, the guy basically he's the reason why that anything happened. But he's too busy fuming and pissed off. Uh, you know, I think maybe they might have cut him off uh, briefly or something. It was something that was very innocuous. And then it was just like, boom, dead shotgun. Like, oh, my fucking God. It's crazy. Great. So the officer, uh, the officer draws his weapon on Mr. Kentucky Militia while he's backing up towards his patrol patrol car. And at this point, Kentucky Militia guy fires or he floors it and he speeds off. Uh, the officer said he couldn't believe this was happening. It was Sunday. It was supposed to be a slow shift. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. So Route 25, the vehicles were locked in a dangerous cat and mouse game. Uh, kind of reminded me of that uh, segment that's on the box set. Where you know it was the the other malicious sort of group. Yeah, the Colorado and, cop killer. Yep. Yeah, with the fifty cal. Yeah, that's a good segment. It's a sad segment, but it's good. Oh yeah. Uh, so the Kentucky militia guy made a U-turn and came at the cruiser. When he stopped, the officer backed his cruiser up and swerved and missed, and and then he whipped it back around, and then at that point, Kentucky militia was chasing the cop. So the cop was on the radio telling dispatch, he's chasing me, give me some backup. It was a bizarre scene that quickly changed from dangerous to deadly when the driver opened fire um, on the police officer. Uh, Deputy Elder turned the tables again and pulled a U-turn and started pursuing the driver. When all of a sudden, the driver slammed on the brakes and jumped out of his car and started screaming, You want some of this? You want some of this, boy? 
And then he pulled out a fucking machine gun and started blasting <laughs> away at the deputy's car. Um, the deputy, he emptied at least 30 rounds of ammunition at him. Yeah, so then after that, he got into his car and sped off. Deputy Elder was unharmed, but he was in shock. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That he was unarmed. I mean, considering that there was over at least 30 rounds that were pumped out, and it was at close range. Yeah. Yeah, this guy was either damn good at evading. I mean, to get into this, first of all, as a police officer, I don't think they necess- I don't think they necessarily require you to get so in depth with the pursuit of this guy as, as Deputy Elder did. He probably didn't have to do that. No. But he he went above and beyond to try to apprehend this guy, which uh, you know, applause to him. I mean, what a what a good dude because I wouldn't want this guy cruising around, you know, with a fucking small army's worth of ammunition in the back of his car. And so, I mean, good on yeah. him. And, yeah, I mean, he should have gotten, a, you know, high recommend. Kentucky militia. I mean, I, I, it, 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 is there a militia for every other state in the South? Well, you know, Mike, in Alabama the South, we do, we do things a little different here. See, we're a little, Florida militia. There is. Well, there's a Jacksonville fucking militia, and I, I wish you'd stop. Mocking us because we believe the South will rise again, Mike. You see, because we weren't too happy about how the Civil War ended. Uh, anyway, enough of that. Um, <laughs> the next uh, morning, part of the puzzle fell into place. Authorities found the gunman's vehicle abandoned in the woods. Police identified the owner as Stephen Howard Anderson. In the back of Anderson's truck, police found enough ammo to equip a small army six pipe bombs, a semi automatic rifle. Over 9,000 rounds of ammo of various calibers, survival gear, clothing, and food. So it's one of these guys, you know. It's one of these survivalists, end, end of times, you know, I'm a patriot, still stuck in the whole uh, Christopher Columbus uh, settling America days where they feel like the government is going to come in and be like the British Army and try to take all the rights away. So he's going to be prepared, and the Constitution, you know, is yeah. my God, it's my God-given right to defend myself, and all this other crazy shit that some people. Well, apparently, this guy was so off the rails and so nuts and so batshit insane that even the militia themselves kicked him out. Right. Um. So yeah, so he had ties with the Kentucky militia, and this is a group that is not sanctioned by any government body. Its mission nope. to protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. But according to law enforcement officials, some members can be fanatical and dangerous. Uh, you think? <laughs> uh, even compared to the group's extreme element, Anderson was considered a loose cannon. A few weeks before yeah. the shooting, Anderson was booted out for behavior unbecoming. According to their president. He wanted the second revolution to happen now, but it was a Kentucky militia's belief that the le- legislative process in Kentucky still worked, and once it stopped working, that's when they would begin the revolution. What fucking revolution, people? Yeah, exactly. What, what fucking revolution? What, what revolution? What the... You mean where the Confederacy lost and you were no longer allowed to keep slaves? That revolution? Do you, 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 I mean, you're trying to go back to that? I mean... I, I don't. I don't even want to get into that right now. Well, so, I mean, the revolution. I think they would think like, oh, the people take back the country from the government or whatever. But there's not going to be enough of you. 
You know what's so funny about that? Like, what's so funny about that is like police and the military are going to outnumber your your hick asses. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not even going to be a contest. Say say it didn't though. Say somehow. uh, Say somehow, like all these people usually. Usually white supremacists in nature or of that, of, of that ilk. You know, these people are usually far right-wing nut jobs. I'm, I'm sorry, it just, it's factual. I have no political dog in this fight, but that's just factually where these people tend to stand. Say they were able to somehow coalesce into one group and take over. You know how funny it, it would be how, how fast until... They draft their constitution of how they think the country should be run. How quickly corruption and, um, you know, favorites, like people playing favorites and paying people off and kind of socialistic ideas, how quickly that would creep into their new, how they think the country should be run. That's what happened with the Soviets. Well, I mean, my point is, is even if they did, quote unquote, take over the country, it would take only a few years before their version of America was just as fucked up as it is now. Yeah. It would literally, yeah. it, because that's just the nature of a governing body. That's there's necessary, yeah. There's necessary evils that have to be that have to happen for any country, and there is corruption in power, and it's it's an inalienable. It's gonna happen for any any time, any any agency. That's gonna happen. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. You, I mean, you think for a second that like, if if there was some like white dominated like KKK kind of thing that took over the country, I mean, just look at the movie American History X. You know, it shows like a perfect example of how like, you know, th- these these people were all for white supremacy, but then you know when the lead character who was played by Edward Norton when he gets sent to jail and he joins up with a, a white supremacist gang in jail, he sees a white supremacist doing business with the Mexicans because, hey, it's just business and they're drug deals, but it's they're bypassing their own rules and agenda because of money, because of, of you know, power and all that, to maintain mm-hmm. power and money in the jail system even. And, and the main character saw that, and he's like, hey, this is bullshit. Why are you doing business with these Mexicans? And it's like, hey shut up, you know, and mind your own business. This is just what we're doing. And I mean, dude, that's just how, that's how it would be. So like, that's like, I don't know. Like, that's why these little like militia groups and all that, it just makes me giggle because it's like, it it would, it would be in no time before your little group was just as fucked up as the government is right now. Well, you know, that they wouldn't think about that because they automatically have a superiority complex. So we'll do it right. Yeah. Right. So, um, was, Steven Anderson poised to launch his own war? Police wanted to find out. After attaining a search warrant, police found even more ammo on Anderson's property. Huge stockpiles of 12, ammo. 12,000 rounds of ammunition. Good God. Along with a ham radio transmitter. Uh, of course, a number of grenades, machine guns. A ham radio transmitter allegedly used by Anderson to broadcast hate-filled vendettas against the establishment. Along with a recording of how he planned his encounter with Deputy Elder where he planned to shoot him point-blank when he arrived at his car. Which went a little something like this. 
some police officer is going to pull me over and ask for my national identification card. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, get you to say, I'm going to get you to step out of the vehicle. And I'm going to say, but sir, that's against the Constitution. And then the cop's going to say, I don't care about no Constitution. Give me your national ID card. Well, okay, buddy. I'll give you my national ID card. Fires off two shots on the radio. Have a nice day, officer. <laughs> what a fucking psycho. Yeah, psychopath. There's no doubt in my mind that he had planned it. This is what the officer is saying, the officer that encountered him. Any officer that had come in contact with him that night, that's what was going to happen. So, Stephen is wanted for the attempted murder of Deputy Scott Elder. Um, He's also wanted by the ATF for violation of federal explosive laws, because this guy had, like, pipe bombs and shit, which is obviously illegal. So there's an update that he was captured. Yeah. Um, Anderson eluded the police for just over a year before a tip placed him living in the outskirts of Cherokee County in North Carolina. He was subsequently arrested, pled guilty to various weapons charges, and was sentenced to 15 years in prison and was released December 17th of 2015. Just in time for Christmas. (laughs) Now, how this guy, for attempted murder of a police officer, only got 15 years, I I will never understand. Because attempted murder, I mean, that's... Maybe good behavior. Maybe you found Jesus. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, attempted murder in and of itself, I think think it's an automatic 15 years, but of a police officer, doesn't that carry more weight last time I checked? I don't know. I think so, but I I just hope his name doesn't show up again. But, you know, it plays into this whole, like, Second Amendment thing that you hear talked about a lot of times. And, I mean, okay, before everyone starts freaking out, chill. Also, like, what the hell does he mean? What is the hell does he... What What is he... What the What the fuck is he talking about by, oh, it's my... It's my... Uh, it's against the Constitution for you to t- ask me for my ID. No, it isn't. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that outright. These people use the Constitution like... I guess you can not give it to them, but then you're going to get arrested. Well, no, these people use the Constitution like certain Christians use the Bible to to perpetuate their agenda of things that they personally don't like about society. So they use the Bible as, well, it's in the Bible, so that's why I'm against it. When it's like, no, it's not. You're you're against it because you don't personally like it, and it it just it conveniently happens to be in the Bible. So you're you use that as your main argument, but really you. I mean, it could have been like any it. book. It could be a book about a giant flying spaghetti monster, who people are worshiping, and if it had those same things in it, like you were saying, you'd point to that as to. Okay, you know, I believe in this uh, this uh, book about the giant flying spaghetti monster. And in this book of the giant flying sp- spaghetti monster, it says, you know, gays are bad and evil and they should be stoned. And, and it's against, you know, which if all that's how you feel fine. But don't, but don't so try to uh, uh, don't try to like apply your beliefs onto everybody else. I yeah, mean, you can believe however yeah, you see, want. That's to... the thing. I, I don't have a problem. Hey, believe what you want to believe, but don't try to force people to believe in what you're trying to believe either. Which I mean, and, honestly, if you believe that you think gay people should be like stoned with rocks, you're a piece of shit. But if, oh yeah, but you have oh. every right to believe that. We live in America. Last time I checked, but um. 
you know, it, it it's it's just I don't know, dude. Like like this whole Second Amendment thing. It's like okay, yeah. Well, you also, should... stuff like the KKK. Like this is where you get the controversy, and I've always, I've had it. I had if I had problems with this, because with hate groups like that, all that is just brings hate, and then it leads to violence. So I'm like, why is that protected under the Second Amendment? Groups like that. I mean. Honestly, all they do is breed hate and violence and just all kinds of bad things, uh, drugs and all this other stuff. So, I mean, yeah, they've kind of quieted down over the years, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, you can say those things and it's just I don't know. It's just the whole sort of group thing that kind of worries me. And but at the same time, I got to say, hey. I guess it's your right. It is your right. And if I have every right to say, you know, things about how I don't think that it's okay for you to band together and try to go in and try to, you know, shoot black people, because that's happened with the KKK. There have been cases in the past where there's been a bunch of KKK members who got in a van with a sliding door, drove up to some protests, slid the door open and just opened fire. I drove off. It's a fine line with these amendments because it's if the government comes in and intervenes in any way to stop a particular group, it sets a precedent that yeah. the government can come in and stop speech of some kind. Yeah. And then it becomes like, okay, well, if they can stop them, well, what if somebody else doesn't like a message that another group is saying? What, you know, does that yeah. group get, sh- get shut down too? So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like they have to let everybody... It's a double-edged sword. They have to let everybody do everything within the law or nobody do anything kind of kind of yeah. deal. They can't make special... Although we wish they could, they can't make special exceptions to it. No. Okay, the KKK can't protest, but other people can. They can't, you know, because yeah. it sets or, a precedent. Or, or, or the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, God, which are which are just as egregious, if not more, because they're so in people's face about, I mean, the whole... I'm not, I don't even want to repeat their phrase. If there, if there is a God, they're not going to heaven. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, why does somebody need, why, why can somebody legally acquire 9,000 rounds of ammunition? Yeah. Well, they probably don't legally require 9,000 rounds of ammunition. That's why. Acquire. Acquire. You're going to make Coral angry. (laughs) (laughs) Inside thing, I guess. She'll appreciate it. Um, but, but no, um. I mean, yeah, maybe it was illegal, but what if it was legal? Because, I mean, I don't know, and I'm about to make everybody's eyes it roll. It could be, but I don't think it is. If I remember correctly, there are certain – there's a lot There's a lot of laws now against getting ammunition, uh, especially large amounts of ammunition like that, especially for the type of weapons that he has. I doubt that he's from some militia group, so he probably – none of this is probably legal. Although I could be wrong. It doesn't seem like he has the money to afford that much ammunition or that much weapons legally. Uh, Unless he's robbing banks, too, because that happens. I don't know. I, I, I could get into a whole like spiel about this even deeper, but at the end of the day, I don't have any solutions to the problem, so I'm not going to bitch about it if I don't have a solution. Well, yeah, I don't really have a solution to it either, but the whole thing with it's just... 
I, I think there should be some more psych evaluations for people, you know, before they're able to buy weapons and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think not not everyone, because you can clearly tell some people. I mean, I'm talking about people who have a history of, of you know, psychological problems. I don't think they should be able to own a gun, to be honest, um, especially if it, it's led to other instances where they've been arrested and put in jail for other crimes that are kind of tied into their psychological uh issues and this is something uh, I, this is something i've kind of been wanting to to just rant about for a second if you'll allow me the platform here um, go ahead <laughs> the floor is yours so people always talk about like if guns were taken away which i don't think they should be taken away or whatever but they no, say, i don't either they say Okay, if we t- if we make if we outlaw guns, the bad guys are still gonna have them, and we want the good guys to have the guns. Uh, you know, so if the bad guys come up, then the good guys will have them. This whole good guys versus bad guys, like typical simple simplifying the issue. It's not black and white. Right, it's nowhere near as black and white. My whole thing is, when does that good guy become a bad guy? You know, like j- okay, you're a good guy because you haven't killed someone yet, but say. This quote-unquote good guy, respectable American, who watches too much network news, is paranoid as all hell, because that's what our news media does. It, it makes us paranoid, and it makes us feel like there's a threat in our backyard every fucking day, because that's, I guess, how they make their money here, is sh- scaring everyone to death. Well, if you watch Unsolved Mysteries all the time, I mean, well, yeah, you're, that you're kind, too, of, you're kind you know. of paranoid as well. <laughs> exactly. So so they hear like a rattle outside and then they go and they open the door and they just start firing at will because they feel like there's so, like a like fucking Freddy Krueger's in their backyard. And then they end up killing somebody uh, who's who's where it's, you know, something innocuous. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. they're no longer a good guy anymore. And they just killed somebody. So this whole like, oh, we want the good Are guys. Are they really a bad guy though? Maybe they're just somebody who just made. None, a nonetheless, somebody mistake. died because of a fucking. Oh yeah, gun, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, you know, and again, like, it look ties I, into drugs. Well, I mean, I, that's a whole other conversation. But I mean, I'm well, not. I mean, I, it, tie, it ties into the drugs thing because of the whole. The you're talking about good guys and bad guys. Well, drugs are mostly you know hard drugs. You know, marijuana and cocaine, all that is illegal. Well. There are good guys who work for the drug enforcement agency who sell drugs. And, you know, so there you go. That that totally ties into your argument. I don't know. I Look, I'm not trying to politicize this or anything. I just feel like I feel like America is a very gun happy country. And I feel like we should be less uh, we should have less of a boner for guns is my only. I don't know. I mean. There, there are cases to be made for guns because a lot of the gun violence is from gangs and other people shooting other gangs, and there are some people you know who end up getting caught in the crossfire, sadly. But crossfire, you get caught up in the crossfire. Uh, but there, there are a lot of lives that have been saved by guns, and see, that's the thing. Um, there, there are certain police officers who probably wouldn't be alive today without guns. There's certain people who wouldn't be alive without guns because they were able to defend themselves from robbers and people like that who tried to break into their homes, uh, or, you know, for whatever reason. And so it, it is one of those, it is a very 
complex and controversial kind of issue. I do think some of our gun laws should be, uh, you know, changed a little bit. Things should be a little bit stricter for certain things. But I definitely don't think outlawing guns is not going to solve the problem. That's just going to lead straight to something like the prohibition did when we outlawed uh, alcohol. And then all the power was given to the to the mafia. Right. And money was was funneled into the mafia as well. If people want something enough, they're going to find a way to get it. Yeah. And see, that's the thing with some of the people who have been involved in these school shootings. There's no way that these kids got those guns legally. They weren't old enough to get those guns legally. So they found some way to get those guns. And and, and if somebody like if somebody wants a gun, they're going to find a gun. Uh it you could make a case to some places like Canada and, and, and the UK where there's no guns and the crime uh the crime is down, uh gun shootings are down, but other types of crime go, are up in those places. So it's one of those things that's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I think with drugs, though, certain things like marijuana should not be illegal anymore. That's just a money hole, and the DEA and the American government is just blowing billions of dollars on drug enforcement that isn't really doing much to enforce it. Yeah, well, you got the prisons that pay, you know, the the private prisons that pay that's for the, the thing, more. too. They, they want people in jail. Yeah. So, so that's it's... a whole other story. But... Yeah, I mean, I wish people like this guy would stay in jail for longer than 15 years. But hey, you know, that's how the law is. He didn't actually kill the guy. But apparently, oh, well, he 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 shot 30 shots at this police officer. But that's not enough for him to stay in prison for the rest of his life. I don't know. I could I could go more in depth with this. But honestly, I, I, I just I don't know. I don't I don't want to. I don't want it to be a political podcast, but no, I, I just... But I mean, when you come to a, a case like this with a militia guy, it, this kind of thing does kind of come up. And, you know, I, I think people... I think people people will be okay with it. I guess, and like, living in the South, I've, I've been around a, peop, a lot of people who are a little too happy about their firearms and a little too happy to pull them out and show them off and it's almost like they can't wait to use it on somebody and i've had i've been i've had a gun pointed at me by someone whose yard i accidentally drove into because i got i was given the wrong address and i had to back out of their yard and yeah dude held me up and said if you ever drive into my yard again i'll kill you i will shoot you and he had a gun pointed at me so i'm just (laughs) excuse me if i'm a little fucking uh reticent about guns in general it's pretty scary Um, guns and i mean you know people get drunk people get stupid they decide they don't like someone you know who's to say that they're not gonna snap and go over there and be you know who's gonna say they're not gonna snap and use something else yeah, but if they have a fucking knife or some shit, at least they have to get in close proximity to, like, do Yeah, some shit. I, I know, but, I mean, regardless, I mean, if somebody wants to commit a violent crime, they're going to commit a violent crime. Uh, it could, the, the crime could definitely be more deadly with guns uh, than with it guns, would be. Guns, it's made such a, it's, it adds such, like, a pussy but, factor, though, because it's so easy yeah. to just shoot someone from far away. It's, it's a lot. Like, it's like if a keyboard warrior could do something to you on their keyboard. Yeah. Other than just write misspelled nasty comments at you yeah instead of actually getting in your face you know and you know really i don't think any of these people would ever talk shit to my face ever probably (laughs) not 
Most of them were like 12-year-olds anyway. So I forgot to bring up the story that happened to me this weekend before we end the podcast. Um, and it, it, uh-huh. I, w- I was going to put the story in in the fraud segment. Fraud what, Mike? What was that? You got frauded out, right? Yeah, I got frauded out. Actually, if I hadn't said all that, I could just edit this into it. Yeah, you can edit it. You could just edit that. Okay. Uh, put a mark there and just edit it. You know what? It. Fuck it. No, I'm not going to because I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> You're going to get it more natural now, folks. I'm not going to rely on technology as much. I'm going to have this podcast make less sense because of my laziness. So the story. Um, I was at Applebee's uh, DJing uh, on the back patio on Saturday, and this dude was sitting out there, and he was the only guy out there because it was really cold, and no one wanted to be out on the back patio, but because of my job, my contract with them and everything, oh well, I still am going to play music, whether there's people out there or not, so I'm out there, you know, just playing whatever, and the guy is sitting out there, and I don't know why he's out there, but he's the only one out there, and it's just me and him. And then he finally comes up to me, and the dude's dressed like, he looks kind of like a personal trainer. He looks like, he's got like a, in like average to maybe athletic build, and, you know, just, just average looking dude. And he goes, and younger, maybe in his like late 30s, whatever. And he goes, um, he goes, hey man, he's like, you want to do your good deed for the day? Which is always a weird way to start out anything. And I go, uh, depends what it entails, man. And he goes, look, man, uh, my car won't start. Um, and I was like, what, so you need a jump? And he's like, no, it's not that. He's like, we already tried jumping it. It won't take a, a jump. And we think the starter's bad. And we tried blah, 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 car talk that I didn't understand. And I was like, yeah, okay, so you know, what? Wh- where do I come in on this? And he's like, well, the cab fare is going to be at least uh, $36 to take me to Beach Boulevard where I live, which is right kind of like, I don't know, 15 minutes away from where I was at. And he's like, I only have 12 bucks on me. And he's like, he's like, it took me like 10 minutes sitting out here to ask you the courage to, to get up the courage to even ask you this. But is there any way uh, I could write you a check for the money? But is there any way I could borrow like $25, $30 to pay for this cab fare? And he's like, I'll come. He's like, I can either give you a check. He's like, or I can come back. You can hold on to my ID and I can come back and I can give you the money back, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, man, he's like, I'm just, I'm really in a bad situation right now. He's like, I just, I just want to go home. He's like, my parents can drive me back up here later on, um, or whatever. And, and I'll give you the money. And I was like, I sat there and he saw that I was thinking about it because usually I just tell these people no, because I just, I just assume you should have, you should have just said no. (laughs) <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I was feeling generous. I was bored. I was, I was like, man, I could. This guy doesn't look like he's some strung out crackhead who's just gonna go spend. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I know, I know. Trust me, I already know all everything. You know, and this is why. I, this is why I. You should have. You should have been like. No, as soon as he asked for like the check thing, I mean that would have been like. Well, that's what I said. I, I go, I go. Well, no. I go. I would ask for a check, but I don't want it to bounce. And I was, and he said he had some jewelry or whatever that he oh, could let man. me hold on to. It's absolutely, one hundred percent fishy. Yeah. So, so I say, all right, man. You know, I'll, I'll trust you. So I give him the money, and then he goes to walk away. I go, hey, didn't you say you had some jewelry? that I could hold on to. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, I see the look in your eyes. Like, you don't really trust me. I was like, no, man, it's not that I don't trust you. I just don't trust strangers. It's nothing personal. He goes, okay. So he pulls out like these two thin ass little 
necklaces. They look like the, the diameter of string. And he's like, these are two white gold blah blah blahs, and he pulls out these two hoop earrings. White gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a thing. Um, he pulls out two earrings and this like pendant for a necklace. And he goes, and these are blah, 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 and uh, he's, these are white gold, and blah, blah, and uh, so he's like, do you want to hold He's on? like the coin guy. He's like, do you <laughs> want to hold on to all of it, or blah, 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 and I, so I grabbed the earrings, he's like, well, just hold on to those earrings, and he kind of made that decision for me, and I was like, well, fine, whatever, because I really believed, for whatever reason, he was going to come back, and he pointed to a car out in the parking lot, and he goes... Yeah, that's my car right there, and I pointed. That could be anybody's car. Right, and I pointed to. I go, okay, that silver car there, and he goes, yep. And I go, all right. So as soon as he takes the money, he like walks out, and I'm thinking, like right afterward, I'm thinking to myself, wait, didn't he say he's waiting on a cab? Where's he going? <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'll be here till eleven forty-five, and it was like ten at that point. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll have plenty of time to get there and back by before eleven forty-five. I said, okay. So then he leaves, and the more I start thinking about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that guy just fucked me, because he left, he said he was waiting on a cab, and then he left. Then, at like 11.15, one of the servers clocks out, gets into the silver car that was supposedly this guy's car, and drives away. Wow, a server from Applebee's just jacked your car, buddy. Um, And 11.45 rolls around, and of course, no guy. Yeah, so you the, got fucked. Yeah, no lube. I got fucked out of twenty six bucks, but you know what? It was a twenty six dollars. Hey, lesson. it was twenty six dollars. It wasn't twenty five thousand dollars. Right. It was a twenty six dollar lesson to never give money to anybody ever again. I'm sorry, folks. He just fucked it up for the rest of you out there who would ever ask me for money. Well, yeah, I, I, I think the last time I gave anybody anything was like some change for like a bus ticket, but it was just like change that I need to get rid of anyway. Um, but one of, one of the times I remember giving money to people was I was in Oklahoma city and there, there was this guy who was asking for some money, you know, cause bus fare and what all this other stuff, you know, he's down on his luck and so on. And I was in a good mood and I guess I was, you know, trying to do the right thing. I didn't know any better at this time. So I give him the money. It was like only like 20 bucks or something. And then I'm, you know, I walk around everywhere. So later on my travels, walking around, I see the guy at a liquor store. So, Oh, yeah. See, like <laughs> the, the typical thing they tell you always with these people is if they're homeless and they say they're hungry, take them into a gas station or something and buy them food, you know. But a lot of times if you do that, they'll get angry. They'll be, you know, they'll be like, well, I just need the money. It's like, okay, well, you need Yeah, well, I remember... Uh... My stepdad, Troy, is a very nice guy, and he goes and tries to help a bunch of people. Like, he'll even, like, pay for your Starbucks order or your or whatever. Sometimes, he'll, he'll, if he's got the money, he'll do things where it's like, if you get something at Starbucks and you're behind him or, or you're at the drive-thru, he'll pay for your order. I mean, it's the kind of guy that he is. So, he, go, he got some fast food for this, you know, homeless lady with her kids, and he gave it to her, and she just hated it. She grabs the food and slams it on the ground and stomping on it. Oh my god! Pissed off at him. Yeah, it was crazy. It was nuts. She didn't want the food. She wants money for drugs or alcohol. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) and then there's assholes who aren't even homeless that just panhandle for extra cash. 
Yeah, and this guy, I mean, the only reason I helped him was because I didn't think he'd be taking my money and buying bullshit with it. I thought I was actually doing this guy a solid. He was in a bad predicament, but then when he didn't come back, I mean, that's just Very shitty. Convincing. That's shitty. I mean, even if even if he did need the money for what he said he needed it for, the fact that he didn't come back and he said he would, you know how bad I would feel if I did that to somebody? Like, I would feel horrible. That would keep me up all night. Yeah. And then I'd try to contact them again if I could and, like, say, I'm sorry, something happened, car broke down, um, and so on. But. Yeah, so that guy's a fucking piece of shit, and there you go. So I have some real, so I have some lovely 24 karat gold, white gold hoop earrings. If anyone would like to purchase them, 26 bucks on sale now. And they're, they're probably not even real gold. Probably not. Um, so anyway, that is the conclusion of the podcast. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. We put up a bunch of bonus content. In fact, right after this episode, me and Mike are recording a bonus segment for the Patreon listeners that are pledging 20 dollars a month um there are a bunch of other perks very various different tiers of uh perks that you can get um i'm gonna be start i'm gonna be throwing some more stuff up there uh i'm gonna be doing a video review of the ultimate uh collection box set i'm gonna put that up there for uh some level i haven't decided which level yet of, your fifteen hundred dollar thousand dollar gold mine yeah apparently my marcos is buddha um <laughs> So, yeah, that'll be on there. You should support us um, that way if you feel so inclined, if you feel our, our content is worth anything to you. Um, if you want me and Mike separately but equally, you can visit us on our various YouTube channels. Um, Mike's is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does movie reviews and a bunch of other stupid bullshit that's not worth watching. And if you want to look at the crap that I put out that's not worth your time for one second, it's... Um, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts it's it's the worst content you'll ever see on youtube do not go there a little reverse psychology this week um and with that we are we are done you are free to leave see ya <laughs> you are free to leave <laughs>